Hello, everybody. It's been a while. Welcome to the Hub World Podcast. Um, we are now returning. Um, well, we returned to our regular season already, but this will be our first non-E3 episode in quite a f- number of weeks. Um, I will tell you about that in a second after I introduce ourselves. My name is Jules, as you know. Today I'm joined by... Mikhail. And Gino. And we are here to deliver our first non-E3 episode um, in a long time, which we decided to do um, um, one of our console essentials episodes, um, which maybe you've caught before. We've done our NES essentials, we did our SNES essentials, and we did our two-part N64 essentials, which was a bit of a a crazy bloodbath, um, especially the episode, the second part of that episode. Um, So you can catch those if you'd like. But just to um, give you an idea of what these um, console essentials are, is um, we break down um, what some of the best games are on a particular system. We talk about them, we talk about why we'd recommend them, and then we try to break down what the five most essential games on that system are, just based off of how we've like talked about it. Some of the things that go into that is we want to recommend games that are somewhat accessible still. So like, for example, in our NES one spoilers, one of the games we didn't pick was Duck Hunt because we figured the only way that you could play that game the way it should be played is you do have to have um, a CRT TV and you have to have the NES Zapper. And so we were saying, well, that doesn't make sense to recommend to you nowadays so one thing is accessibility another thing is just in general like how does it hold up nowadays like can it be taken out of the context of its time and still be comparable to games nowadays is it worth that play and then also we think about list composition so we wouldn't want our whole list to have like all zelda titles or all rpgs because we do want to give you a variety so today we're going to be um Breaking that down for you with um, our first handheld essentials list, which we are doing the Game Boy Advance, a very beloved handheld system. Now, I'm sure some of you are wondering, why are we not doing the Game Boy or Game Boy Color? And the reason for that is we talked about it, and between us at the Hub World, we've only played maybe a dozen Game Boy Color or Game Boy games that we would even feel comfortable recommending to people. Um and we feel like there wasn't much of a discussion point around which ones we would recommend. So like, while we could provide that for you, we don't think it's worth a podcast because there's just not much discussion there, whereas Game Boy Advance is a much richer library which uh, with a bigger variety of games, and especially games that can be played now and are pretty awesome. So that's why we chose to do Game Boy Advance instead. So we're skipping Game Boy. Yeah, and especially with Game Boy Advance, like... We were talking before the podcast, and we're like, let's just do let's do Game Boy Advance. It should be pretty straightforward. I already had like a like an idea of what I was going to select, but then when I looked at the library of games on the Game Boy Advance, I was thinking like, holy shit! Like this is yeah. way harder than I thought it was going to be. I didn't Absolutely. realize how deep the library of games on the Game Boy Advance was. Exactly, I was the same thing as I looked at the list of Game Boy Advance games. But um, just another thing, just to. Uh, just before we we head into this, just some some other things to mention. This essentials list, we don't want you to treat it as us ranking games. Like when we come to the final five, we're not going to rank them. We're just going to say like these are the five, um, and they're also being composed from the games we've played. So even 
if a game is like well received or critically acclaimed, we are not going to recommend it or put it on our list if we personally have not played it. Um, and that's just because these are our personal lists, and we're not trying to quantify what's better. We're just giving you a recommendation based off of what we've played. Um, now, something I think needs to be addressed before we begin this, and as we move forward into handheld, specifically Nintendo handheld essentials, is one thing that I think we need to define for our listeners is how Pokemon games are going to be handled. Now, I personally believe the partnered games can be classified as one game. So, for example, like Pokemon Red and Blue would be classified as one game together. But Pokemon Yellow, the third version, because of its being differentiated, would not be grouped together. So you could put, like hypothetically, we could put Pokemon Red and Blue and Pokemon Yellow as two separate things on a hypothetical Game Boy Color one, or we would pick between them. We won't put Pokemon Red, Blue, Yellow together, because I think that creates too much of a powerhouse when you have the three versions together. I think it's either you take the duos or you take the third version, or you choose to use them both as two separate slots, but I don't think we should group third version with the the like original releases, because they do have some differences. And sometimes those differences are better, and sometimes they actually aren't. So I think that's how we should move forward with Pokemon. I, I, I think so, too. I agree with that. Yeah, that's fair. Okay. Great. Then I think we're ready to begin. So we will do what we normally do. We'll kind of go in a speaking order. I'll start by recommending something, then Mateo will go, and then Gino will go. And we'll just create a list, a short list, um, talk about those games, and then at the end, we will determine what our top, like, our five essentials are. So I'll start. So I think the first game I want to announce, the one, or not announce, I'm not Nintendo, but the first one I think I should mention, the one that screams out for me on this short list that I've created um, and one that I feel I'm going to like very much fight for all the way through is Mario and Luigi Superstar Saga. Yes. For those of you, <laughs> yes. yeah, for those of you who don't know what Mario and Luigi Superstar Saga is, it's the first game in the Mario and Luigi series, which is uh, an RPG series developed by Alpha Dream, RIP. Yep. It is still argue- arguably the best in the franchise. And I say arguably very much so. Not that it's not the best one, but like it could be. But it it was the start of this. It was like it's a game that's so Game Boy Advance. Like I can't even stress how Game Boy Advance that game feels. Like it's one of those games that feels so pure, like unique to the Game Boy Advance. So while it's been on DS and 3DS later, like when you look at like the library of Game Boy Advance titles, it's one of those things that started on Game Boy Advance and was like truly like unique to the Game Boy Advance. Sure, N64 had Paper Mario, but Mario and Luigi was kind of a bit more heavy on the RPG than, than Paper Mario was. It was a lot more involved and action-based. And yeah, I don't know. I really love Mario and Luigi Super Star Saga. It has fantastic cast of characters, has incredible humor, really fleshes out the Mushroom Kingdom. It was just... I never played it when it came out on Game Boy Advance, but I always wanted to. And then when I did play it, I was just like blown away because it is a fantastic game. So that's that's mine. When I was making this list, one of the other things I noticed was the amount of ports and remakes of games that got put on Game Boy Advance. Personally, I will not be adding straight ports to the... to. I'm not going to be nominating ports, so like none of the Mario Advance games. But... 
remakes were very critical to my experience with the Game Boy Advance. And I think my pick for the one of the best remakes of all time, uh, and my all-time favorite game on Game Boy Advance, uh, Metroid Zero Mission. That game was a complete remake mm-hmm. from the ground up of the original Metroid. Like Metroid Samus Returns did to Metroid 2, Metroid Zero Mission basically... Like, that's the definitive way to play Metroid 1. That's like no contest. Metroid 1 is slow. It's clunky. There's not a lot of features. Uh, not like There's a lot of st- story stuff that isn't in that game that was added by Zero Mission. Like... A lot of the like the Metroid story that's been built that built up over the years was put into the remake. It added the Zero Suit Samus stealth gameplay, which I really really liked. The combat and the pixel art are fantastic. It's very reminiscent of Super Metroid, and just that game to this day it holds up so well. Like I I love that game to death. Like honestly, I, I the Game Boy Advance is so rich in Metroidvania games, and I think this is like the cream of the crop like it's one of the best it's so good now i have a question um or not a question sorry a comment um i do have a question as well but i'll start with the comment what i like about metroid zero mission 2 is that like i like i love samus returns and i'm very excited for metroid dread but i would say samus return and what it looks like metroid dread are almost like these modern metroid games they're a little bit different they're not really like classic like classic style metroid whereas zero mission what i love about it is it's like it feels fully like classic metroid like super metroid-esque and mm-hmm. i really like that like metroid one isn't on i literally just had this conversation with a colleague over lunch today like literally because he's he's a massive metroid fan and we we're talking about um metroid and metroid 2 and samus returns and zero mission and um there was the was the fake remake as two mr am two r yeah am two r we were just talking about it and um he was saying like metroid one wasn't unplayable like you could play metroid one but zero mission is like the remake is so well done that it could be arguably the best game in the series like it's obviously like i i still prefer super um but like it's still like very like the quality of the the remake is really really great yeah, I agree with you. The other comment I was going to make before Gino gives his nomination is, uh, and I think that it's just a good time to talk about it since we're already talking about Zero Mission. Zero Mission wasn't the only Metroid game on Game Boy Advance. Metroid Fusion also was on Game Boy Advance. It's also a very strong game. I'm going to interrupt you right here because that was that was my nomination for it, Fusion. There you go. Go ahead, do it. Um, I stole Mateo's save file when he was playing Metroid Fusion on the uh, <laughs> on the Nintendo DS with the Ambassador program, and I have been very fond of that game ever since. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, I knew Mateo was enjoying it before I stole it from him. I definitely had a lot of fun with it, and now that we have the Metroid Dread announcement, right? Like Fusion was the game that started all of those. Um, kind of like like the okay when is the next game coming out and it's funny because like it's that game's been out for like what 20 years and we're now Almost. just getting a sequel years, to, years? Yeah, yeah 18 or 19 yeah. years and we're just now getting a sequel to Mech, um, Metroid Fusion yeah and like just j- just to like go back and like continue the story from where Fusion left off like you could see that like the ideas for Dread were just starting there okay so you started the game off Samus has been infected by some parasite 
the, uh, and the Galactic Federation, in order to save her, had to completely strip her armor off of her. But this parasite, like, infested the armor, and it would walk around the halls of the facility that uh, Samus was at. The, they were pre-scripted events because, like, there was no, like, there was no AI or there was no proper system in place for this just to be, like, randomly walking around in the level, kind of like how the Emmys are in Metroid Dread. But, like, there were pre-scripted events where this evil Samus suit was just walking around and it would murder you or was just walking around being scary and you knew that it was like, okay, do not engage. And the game even tells you, just like, do not engage, you will die. And I just thought that was, like, it's really nice to see that kind of system that they had ideas for back in the Game Boy Advance era actually yeah. coming to fruition now, all these years yeah. later. And, I, and the gameplay is tight. It was it was a fast-paced game. I think it came out before Metroid Zero Mission. I believe I, so. I yeah. believe that they made Metroid Fusion, they made Metroid Zero Mission using Fusion's engine or whatever. And honestly, it felt great. The power-ups were, were fun. The, the difficulty was fair. It was... And again, Mateo said it before. Like it was a renaissance for that genre, the metro, especially because you could just like pick up this little Game Boy, uh, and it had enough power inside of it—the same amount of power almost, almost as a Super Nintendo, albeit the sound card wasn't as good. You had basically a portable console in your pocket. It was great. No, it's hilarious though. What I find absolutely hilarious, just to to speak to Metroid, just again for one second, as we right before we move on so there was actually a third metroid game on game boy advance there was nes classic metroid which was a emulated version of the original metroid game now what i find hilarious about it is that classic version of metroid came out on game boy advance roughly five months after Zero Mission came out. So they released the remake of Metroid 1, then five months later, like, here on the same system is the old game. Now, that's not where it stops. It's, like, stupid, like, like business decision-wise. I don't know what Nintendo is thinking. If you beat Metroid Zero Mission, you unlock the original Metroid within Metroid Zero Mission. So they basically took... Metroid 1, and they're like, this is already in a game we released earlier in the year, but we're going to sell it as its own game later. I didn't, actually did not know that. Yeah, I find that hilarious. Like, absolutely absurd. I, I kind of remember seeing the original Metroid Classic out as, like, a kid at the, like, the video game stores and all that kind of stuff, and was like, why is this yeah. here? Well, I they made it, it was the it. classic line of NES games that they just, like, there were so many of them. There's like 18 of them. I, I have the, the box version of the, the Zelda ones. Anyway, we should move on from Metroid for now. I'm sure we'll return to it. Um, so I guess me again. Look at my list. What do I want to say next? I know there's some games that I feel like only I'll say, so I think I'm going to start with those. And I think I'm going to I think I'm gonna kick off our Pokemon ones. And maybe this will become a whole round of Pokemon. I am personally going to recommend what I think is the best Pokemon game on Game Boy Advance. Pokemon Mystery Dungeon Red Rescue Team. I had that also. Now, nothing against the mainline ones. Like, I'm, I'm low-key just kidding right now. Um, but I have such a soft spot for Pokemon Mystery Dungeon. And I love the original Pokemon Mystery Dungeon. It just got remade on Switch. But, honestly, the original version is better. I've played the remake, and the original is definitely better. And now I didn't play Red Rescue Team. I played Blue Rescue Team because at that point I had moved on to the DS and they had released Red Rescue Team and Blue Rescue Team, which were the same game. 
but one was on Game Boy Advance and one was on DS. Um, but the reason I'm recommending it here is because I know we'll eventually get to DS Essentials, and I realistically don't think that Pokemon Mystery Dungeon has any shot of being on that list for DS. Not necessarily because the the library is better, but because Pokemon Mystery Dungeon only gets better, at least in the next game. And then it kind of goes through shit. But anyway, um, <laughs> I, I love Pokemon Mystery Dungeon. Um, the first game made me cry, and I weeped at the end of that story. It's so sad, and it's just such a fun game because it puts you in the position where you play as the Pokemon. And not only are you playing as the Pokemon, but you are you as the Pokemon. And you get to like experience this world of Pokemon characters as they live in their own reality. And it's just so cute to see how all the different Pokemon interact within their own world, like Polippers being these this like postal service. And you got like Gengar is like this big old bully. Like he's not really like He's not, like, threatening. He's just kind of, like, a bully. Um, you got, like, Alakazam is, like, the wise, like, character. You got Kecleon has got a shop um, where he sells things. And, like, Kangaskhan has a bank. Or, sorry, not a bank. Kangaskhan has a storage unit. And Persian has a bank. And it's just so cool. Because, like, even, like, even, like, smaller Pokemon, like, like one of the Pokemon, like, partway through the game that you have to interact with, who's, like, the wise, like, sage is Zatu. Who, like, realistically, in, like, the regular Pokemon games, Zatu isn't a Pokemon that has any relevance at all. But then you get to Pokemon Mystery Dungeon, they suddenly give him this role that's, like, interesting and fresh. And, like, it's just everything about that that game was so fresh for Pokemon, and the gameplay was great. And there was so much to do, and I really appreciate the first Pokemon Mystery Dungeon for, for doing that. Um, and like I said, the story was incredible. Um, there was so much content. There were so many unique ways in which they used each Pokemon. And I think like at that time, because there were only three generations of Pokemon, it was very sustainable. Like they were able to really like do uh, like every Pokemon really well. Um, whereas now I think it's it's become a bigger it's harder to do Mystery Dungeon now because there's nine hundred Pokemon and it's just unsustainable. But I love Pokemon Mystery Dungeon, so that's my next recommendation. Yeah. I'll continue the Pokemon discussion here. I'll nominate Pokemon Emerald. Pokemon Emerald's the definitive mainline Pokemon game on Game Boy Advance, by default mm-hmm. almost, because I am of the opinion that the third versions are normally better than the the original ones that come out, and Pokemon Emerald is no different. I'm just going to lump it now into saying, just referring to the gener- third generation of Pokemon. I feel like Gen 3 of Pokemon is when... Like, that's, like, the cutoff. Like, anything before that, I really don't think holds up very well. Because Gen 3 is actually what added a lot of modern systems to Pokemon, like natures and abilities and stuff like that. And that's... Now we've, like, we've had so many games with these things in it now, going back to red, blue, yellow, gold, silver, and crystal. At least for me, I find it really hard to go back to those games. And... Generation 3 of Pokemon is my... Still, I think it's my favorite gen of Pokemon. I love the the region, or the Hoenn region, the geography of it. I love a lot of Pokemon designs. I think the starters in Gen 3 are the best starters they've ever had in Pokemon. And like obviously, uh, Rayquaza is a phenomenal mascot Pokemon to have. So... And like I know, and I'm pretty sure all of us were going to nominate 
one of the Pokemon games. So I feel like instead of me just talking about, I think we should all just talk about Emerald. Or if you think Ruby and Sapphire would be in over Emerald. Emerald's the only one I had on my list, if I'm being honest. Yeah. Um, like, I didn't consider any of the others personally. I think, like you said it, like, Emerald is clearly the definitive. Like, if any third version is the definitive, it's Emerald. Like, Emerald is oh, a yeah. fantastic version. Like, it added so much to Ruby and Sapphire. And, like, I, Gen 3 isn't my favorite. I don't dislike Gen 3. And we'll get into that in another podcast episode. But um, Emerald is a fantastic game. And it's, yeah, it's absolutely should be should be here. Well, it also fixed a lot of the problems back from the originals too, right? Because, like, think about it. Like, if you're playing Ruby and Sapphire, like, if you're playing Ruby, Team Magma's base, it's in a water cave. It wasn't even in the volcano. Emerald fixed mm. that. They put yeah. Team Magma in the volcano, which makes sense. They shared the same base, right, in, in Ruby Sapphire. Yeah. And then... Emerald correctly put uh, Team Aqua in the original base, and they made it a completely new base for the Magmas. I I thought that was just a nice touch, and yeah. obviously, like Rayquaza is better. You yeah. have the yeah. It's it just it was it was just more polished and like more thought went into it. It was really great, and I think like Ruby in, in a way, just because of the differing teams, like the differing enemy teams and and Ruby and Sapphire, there's almost like Emerald was allowed to have like more content because there was more they had to add to make both teams villainous. From my memory of Gen 3, you had uh, Team Magma and Ruby, you had Team Aqua and Sapphire. So in Ruby, the Aquas weren't as bad, or no, they, they were like... They were like helpful, or, they were good. Oh, I'm, no, I'm getting confused with, uh, with the Omegas. Yeah. Where the, yeah, and the Omegas, they, they had the other version in there, and they were like trying to... Like, the other version was trying to talk the other one down. Yeah. I'd be like, yo, you guys shouldn't be doing this. In any case, the point is that there was a lot of content to make out of Emerald. And the other thing that lends itself well to Emerald is that it's the third third version. But it's the first third version to happen in a generation where there were remakes. And it's the only third version to happen after the remakes. So like, that's the thing. is like Platinum came out right after Diamond and Pearl. Black and White 2 came out after, right after Black and White. And I know there weren't remakes that generation, but um, the point is Emerald not only got to add in things that happened in Ruby and Sapphire, but it also got to add in things that happened in Leaf Green and Fire Red because it came like it was almost it was the fifth game of the generation rather than the third one. So it actually had a lot to like build into. Um, so I think that helped in terms of creating content and like really making it fresh and big and like adding things so yeah i i fully endorse emerald here um gino do you have a nomination okay well i'm I'm just looking to look at my list here and i have um well like i think that we're in a lot of agreements right now so i kind of want to go into one of my flavor uh one of my flavor picks if that's okay and i have a lot of really fond memories of sonic advance and i would like to i was gonna ask i i I literally have because I've never played any of the Sonic Advances, but I've heard good things. I literally have on my list yeah. Sonic Advance question mark. I uh, have yeah, Sonic I... Advance on my short list. Which one yeah. is the one you're uh, putting the on? First, the first one. The first one. Yeah, yeah, that's the one that Mateo and I actually uh, got to play a lot when we were kids. We, um, my cousin, actually had it, and he couldn't really get past the first, the, the first level all too much, and. 
Mateo and I actually went out and beat the game. I think there was like three or four different playable characters. I think it was Sonic, Tails, Knuckles, and Amy. I played through that game as Knuckles first, and it was quite fun. Each of the characters had their own unique gimmick. Sonic was obviously got to go fast. Tails had his uh, like the like the helicopter hover thing, and Knuckles could climb walls and glide and punch things. Amy, hammer, she could she could beat stuff up. Levels were good. Music was great, and very easy just to pick up and play. Very fun. The sprite art was like the pixel art in that game was very good. It was just can't say enough good things about that game. Good like was just quickly with Sonic Advance. I don't hear a lot of people talk about the Sonic Advance games enough. Sega has never re-released those games outside of like the Wii U Virtual Console. I don't think all of them, honestly, all the Advance games are fantastic, and people need to play them. Honestly, like they're they're gems almost, like they're hidden gems in a way. I honestly think, for the most part, they're pretty comparable to other 2d sonic games like the original series like they're really really good and it's the modern sonic art style too which i really really like i can't say enough good things about them like seriously just if you can find them play them they're fantastic yeah and they didn't even have like any of that drop dash stuff it's not none of the like complicated things it was just simple Mm -hmm. and clean huh no yeah. No, no. Unfortunately, uh, that I, will not segue into uh, a different game nomination. Dang it. Um, as I have not played Chain of Memories on Game Boy Advance. But, Neither have I. Um, but... I do hope that it would be nice if a Sonic Mania 2 pulled in elements from Sonic Advance games. I guess I'll nominate one. I have two flavor, flavor ones. Maybe three, depending on where we're at. But there's this one game that I played all the time on my Game Boy Advance. Now, I don't expect this game to go far, but I think it's worth mentioning. Yu-Gi-Oh! The Sacred Cards, which is a Yu-Gi-Oh! Game Boy Advance game that's based off the Battle City arc in the anime. So you play as a character who's a friend of Yu-Gi and his pals, and you go around, you battle all the characters, you open packs, like build your deck, and you go through the story of Battle City, and I remember just being so immersed in it, like, fighting those characters, like, dueling, like, Merrick and dueling Merrick's bro, I can't remember his name. Um, Odeon. Odeon, that's his name. And his sister, who I also can't remember her name. Ishizu. Ishizu, there you go. Um, Dueling Kaiba and, like, Weevil and rex and my and like it was just cool like as somebody who watched the anime experiencing that and playing the game and like the systems built into that game were really really refined and i'd played Yu-Gi-Oh games before that on ps1 on game boy and like none of them felt like i was really having fun whereas this one was the first one i played where i was like damn this is a fun game and even the new ones like um the new Yu-Gi-Oh games, I feel like I'm still not getting that same experience. Like it's not the same as like the experience I got with the Sacred Cards. Sacred Cards was just so good. Mateo, you are welcome to to go. Well, I think hmm, I think I'm going to take one of the, another another major one off the list right now, and we need to represent more uh, 2D platformers on here. And my pick for the best 2D platformer on the Game Boy Advance is one that I also don't think gets enough love by people. And also, this series does not get enough love by Nintendo. And that's Wario Land. Wario Land 4 is Mm -hmm. my favorite 2D platformer on the Game Boy Advance. Because another Wario... Like, WarioWare 
also came about in the Game Boy Advance. And basically, Wario, aside from Wario Line Shake It and appearances in Mario spinoffs, is only there now. Like, in Smash Bros., his default costume is the WarioWare costume for Pete's sake. Like, Wario Land, I just, I love the zaniness of it. Wario has abilities. He can shoulder bash, like, there's collectibles, there's different, like, there's so many, like, there's, it seems more complex in a way than Mario Advance is, or the, the, not Mario Advance, just Mario platforms in, platformers in general. Like, it's so polished, like, uh, I, I, I did not play Wario Land 4 on the Game Boy Advance, actually. Like, Gino and I had a PSP that we modded, and that's how we played a lot of games like Pokemon Emerald and Wario Land 4 was the main one on there. Uh, but, like, yeah, I I just think the, the pixel art of that game is fantastic as well. And it did relatively well, too. So, like, that's why I don't understand this massive shift Nintendo has ha- done with Wario. Like, they just avoiding acknowledging that he was in platforming games before also just like i don't know like i i just think wario line 4 also had the wario in a sweet car that was brought into like mario kart double dash and like all the other like appearances where you see wario in his like purple sports car (laughs) yeah awesome i love that yeah but just uh, those games had so much personality just like uh and I know WarioWare does too, and it has a lot of original characters and stuff like that, but Wario Line does too, and it just does not get enough love. I was, um, thank you for mentioning the PSP, Mateo, because it was gonna, it, I did wanna, I did wanna mention one game that I did play on the PSP as an honorable mention, but I didn't know how to bring it up properly, and that was the fan translation of Mother 3. Uh, Adriano actually got me the, the, the the actual ROM and everything for it. I'm not nominating it. This is just like a nice little. Uh, no, you should nominate like, it. An aside. You absolutely so should. Is, you played it. Well, yeah, I'm the only one in our friend group that's actually uh, played the Mother Three, and I I understand why it will not get localized, but I can also understand why people would say no. We need to have this, and but like it was such like the game was funny. I laughed. It was sad. I cried. the The journey that Lucas goes on, like dealing with loss. And that was the entire theme of the game is like, okay, dealing with the with the loss of a family member, like uh, without spoiling too much, like Lucas, I get the like uh Lucas and uh his family, they they deal with an um uh, an immense tragedy at the very beginning of the game and it's just basically like he's learning to grow up and live with uh with this sadness and how he deals with it and it it was just just a very beautifully crafted story i i thoroughly enjoyed it i didn't like absorb too too much of it because like i wanted to play the game and it was challenging the rpg like itself like the game was like the the gameplay was tight because you had to like time your attacks with uh the music uh of the song that was playing and you would deal more damage based on um uh, the timing of your attacks. Also, it had this like bleeding kind of system in it, where like for instance, if you took fatal damage, your health didn't go from like twelve to zero; it would tick down. It would go eleven, ten, nine. It's like as if your character's bleeding out, and you had time, even though you were technically fatally wounded, to heal yourself if you could, which was really really cool. So it kind of like it was forgiving, but it was also really punishing as well with those timing mechanics because you you had to nail those crits. Uh, in order to like advance past certain things, it was just great character, like great characters, great design. Just the music was fantastic. It was a great mother game, 
And uh, I I can also understand why Reggie never gave us Mother Three. Yeah, yeah. like mo- the whole like Mother Three now and like unfortunately like I feel like the whole meme of it not being re released or or ported or whatever or localized that's like in a way kind of taking away from the game because like Nintendo is pretty mum about it like they're not it it's probably like I don't think it's gonna happen so like the only way to play it is to condone like emulation and stuff like that which i really don't like but in a way like if you really want to play it there are ways to play it i like i un- i understand why nintendo it would 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 have qualms not qualms i should say like would have reservations about tra- like uh yeah. translating it and stuff but are... localizing is there's always things that get oh yeah in localizing so i know but I mean, then you I... lose the spirit of that game that's the thing, think... though. Like all of the quirky stuff is what makes it great. True, true. But I think the main reason it didn't get localized is just the hard facts it that like do well sales. So yeah. yeah, I think it like, and that's the thing is I think like, sure, you're right, Gino. But also remember that that's because that's your first experience of it, and you're like, well, it would be changed. But if your first experience with it was the changed version. And they did yeah. it in a way that was still tasteful and still kept the main themes. I think you wouldn't have noticed, right? I think yeah. for you, like playing it, if it gets localized, will obviously have an effect knowing what it was. Yeah. But like not knowing wouldn't have had much. But yeah. I just, I, I'm hoping one day Nintendo just, it's a Nintendo Direct and you see a red screen and suddenly it says Mother 4. And then that's yeah. it. <laughs> and then everybody gets upset because they announced Mother Four before they released Mother Three. Yeah, that'd be pretty funny. Um, but yeah, I was totally prepared to talk about a completely other game before I went on the Mother Three um, one. But I think uh, I'll give you guys a chance to say something before I I say the the one that I would like to, yeah. to say. Sure. Well, I'll yeah. go next. See, I have three games on here, and I think all I genuinely think if I say. I'm going to go with the one I'm going to say, because I genuinely think if I say this one, you and Gino are going to say the other two, like in your next ones. I'm, I'm fairly certain. And we'll see. Yeah. I will I will see after Gino has said his if they the other two get covered. But the one I'm going to say, which has already been mentioned, is WarioWare did debut on the Game Boy Advance. Um, now, I don't necessarily think that this is going to make it into our top five, but I think it's worth mentioning because it is a strong start for the series. It did only get better. That's the thing. And that's why I think I wouldn't recommend it is because it did get better. Like, substantially so. But I think it's worth mentioning that WarioWare Inc. is a really fun game on Game Boy Advance. Um, And it's definitely worth seeing the roots. So it's there. I'm not going to throw it on the list, though. Because I don't think that any of us feel like it would be in the top five. So I'm just going to keep it just as a mention. But I'll let you and Gino nominate your next two well i have three games still left on my short list and i know one of them for sure no one's gonna say and i hope the other two do get said but i'm gonna say one of the wines that i think we'll we'll all agree with um and uh that is fire emblem the yeah that's the one i thought you'd say yeah fire emblem it's just called fire emblem in the west i forgot Got, I think it's Binding Blade or Blazing Blade. I always get them mixed up. But yeah. um, that's I the official Binding was the second one. Yeah, so that's yeah. the official name of it in, J- in Japan. But it's just known by as Fire Emblem in North America. 
Um, it was the very first game localized and released in the West. Uh, this is I. It's definitely in my top three favorite Fire Emblem games of all time, and I've played almost all of them that have come out since. Uh, all the ones that have been available in the West, with the exception of a few. Uh, and I just think the cast of characters and like the Fire Emblem Tactical RPG gameplay is fantastic. It's classic. The sprite art's phenomenal. But the the main thing about this game is the story and the characters. And I love the story of Hector, Elliewood, and Lynn when they go on their adventure. Those characters are so great. They their their friendship is and the the things they go on. The side characters in that game are fantastic. The villain is really menacing. And like, oh, that's the thing with Fire Emblem games is I find the villains are pretty hit and miss, hit or miss. But um, and also the music the, is fantastic. I love the way like the paralogs are, are like integrated in with the uh, in with the main campaign. And like the fact that if you don't do specific tasks during the mission, like talking to specific characters or saving a character or whatever, you might not get those paralogs. You might get other paralogs that other players didn't get. Because like Jules, we played this game simultaneously when it uh, came out on the Wii U Virtual Console, and like I had some missions that you no, didn't. No, I played it on the. Um, no, no, you're right. Sorry, yes, you're yeah, right. yeah. We had missions that like we didn't. Like I like I had some missions that I played. You had some that you didn't play, or that like you play that I didn't play. So like, there's there's a lot of um, replay value in that sense because like you can just do different different runs of the game and get different stories and stuff. Um, there is some things though, like late game, if you really know how to level your characters and like level specific units, it does get pretty broken, but it's fun in a way. <laughs> but yeah, like. I love this Fire Emblem game. I really hope that they do like an Echoes type remake or something with this because I just think the cast of characters is fantastic. Like this is one of my favorite worlds in Fire Emblem. Speaking of uh, speaking of other favorite worlds and everything, I am surprised no one has mentioned any of the Zelda games. Um, I I would like to nominate Minish Cap because that is probably like aside from. I want to say A Link to the Past, which was also remade on the Game Boy Advance. Minish Cap, probably one of my favorite 2D Zelda games, like, bar none. It is, it is fantastic. The, the sprite art and the pixel art, absolutely amazing. It feels really, really fluid. The Pikori or the Minish uh, people are very, very cute. And they're... Um, it's just, like, I, I really like the world, like, this version of Hyrule. Like, you have the traditional like the traditional sized Hyrule and then you also have this mini micro Hyrule that were like for instance like a like the first boss of the game and like and it's on the box uh it's on it's actually on the box art as well the uh the first boss of the game is a is just a regular choo like a regular choo-choo a green choo-choo that you have to defeat while you're super tiny and it's just like Ugh. it's just it's just really funny and creative where it's just like okay here's this trivial enemy that like you s- slaughter by the thousands like out in the overworld where you can just like you can beat them piece of cake stun them slash with your sword done and now it's like a three-stage boss fight 
and it's just really really funny and clever and i i I just really enjoy like you could tell the devs had a lot of fun with this game and uh the kinstone mechanics where you could like go out and you meet uh, certain people and you have these little rocks and you kind of like solve a puzzle with them and it changes the uh the world uh they had there was a i think there was like a whole like trading quest using the kinstones you had to help these gorons like get to the the back end of a cave and I can never remember exactly what was back there because I don't think I ever finished it. But I had a lot of fun with it, and Minish had some great, uh, some great items. They it, they brought back the uh, the rocks cape item from the um, the the two D Capcom games. They uh, brought they brought in a new item, the Molmits, which was just I thought they were really cool. That allowed Link to like dig through the earth, and uh, yeah, it was just it was just good fun. I That's I enjoyed. Oh yeah, the gust jar, and then they eventually brought it back in. Uh, I think Skyward as the gust bellows. <laughs> we thought the gust bellows and the mole and the magma mitts were like, like in a way like paying tribute to Minish Cap. But uh, yeah. Gino, just quickly, Minish Cap was also made by Capcom. Yeah. Um, but also, I really like Minish Cap was on my list. That was the other major one that I had on there. The, lo- the last major one. I think honestly, Minish Cap is one of the most underrated Zelda games ever oh, made. It's like, great. It is. It's it so is good. I love the fact that, like, to me, that's like, I really like that they use the Wind Waker, kind of use the Wind Waker aesthetic, but made it their own in a way. Like, it's not a direct. Like on the promotional image, it looks like Wind Waker, but when it's put, like, when you play in the game, it doesn't feel like the Wind Waker art style. Like, it, 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 they, it seems to like they, they twisted it a little bit. Yeah. But like, and I—that's not even talking about what they did with the villain and everything. Vati in that game was great, mm-hmm. and I—he kind of had like almost this shadow, like like the like the Dark Link kind of vibe with like okay, um, with just like the flowing hair, the the same color aesthetic. He had like the dark hat and everything too, and then like it was just this humanoid version of Vati. They gave uh, they gave the giant eyeball. Like the giant evil eyeball, like a proper like backstory, kind of like how Ganondorf really fleshed out the the villain Ganon from Ocar- like like in Ocarina of Time. Like you, you you saw the backstory, you saw where this villain came from, and you can kind of understand their tics instead of just being like, oh, it's just this evil eye that wants to take over Hyrule and somehow is connected with wind. Okay. It also right. had the 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 formation of the four sword. Like that was something about the in the game too, right? Yeah. So like, there's there's a lot of cool, uh, like because that's like the sec canonically, if you believe in the Zelda timeline, it's the second game canonically, and I just I just like I, I once again like Minish Cap is so underrated. It it really is a fantastic game. Highly recommend it. Like it might like Ezlo is a fantastic. We didn't even talk about Ezlo. Ezlo is a fantastic. Ezlo is one of my favorite companions in any Zelda game. So he's so sassy. <laughs> he's just a grumpy old man. <laughs> so um, and like yeah. yeah, Ezlo eventually like like you eventually war- like like he was really annoying at first, but then you like warm up to him and stuff. It's just it's just really touching. Like what what like that character's journey and. Yeah, I I completely forgot about like the like the four swords tie-in, and like a lot of people thought the Pakori blade from like the first one like was kind of representative of the master sword, and like 
the master sword turned into the four sword and there was like a bunch of theories and stuff based on that it was just good fun yeah and not to mention that like four swords as its own standalone game was included with the like one of the uh, that was included with a link to the past yeah, yeah it was just more like just like a fun like side thing that they could sell with a link to the past yeah it was yeah. like a multiplayer Zelda. Um, and they used those, yeah, and they used those assets to build Minish, which is like definitely like just great stuff. I I, yeah. I really like Minish. Can't talk enough about it. Well, I can say, Matteo and Gino, you did admirably. You set the games I predicted you'd say. Yep. <laughs> but what I'm I'm still waiting for Matteo to say a very specific game that I'm ending on it. I'm ending on it. Oh, I know okay. what game you're gonna say now. Okay, yeah, yeah go ahead. Yeah. So, yeah. so you don't have one to add, Jules? Nope, I'm done. Well, this would not be a Hub World episode, and it would I feel like I would be doing a disservice to myself more than anything if I did not mention a Banjo-Kazooie game. Um, and <laughs> the Game Boy Advance does have a Banjo-Kazooie game, and once again, it's a very underappreciated, overlooked Banjo-Kazooie game. Banjo-Kazooie Grunty's Revenge. Uh, this game originally was like a Game Boy Color game. It started off development as a Game Boy Color game. Um, it's what you would expect, honestly, Banjo to be on uh, portable hardware, like a 16-bit hardware. Like they tried to make a 3D game in a 2D on a two like what is a so like normally a 2D on 2D hardware. Like Banjo obviously won't have his all his moves and and it. It, what they did, though, worked pretty well. Like, yeah, there's a few camera problems, but overall, I think, like, it's set between Banjo-Kazooie and Banjo-Tooie, uh, where, like, Grunty comes back, but goes back in time to try to prevent Banjo and Kazooie from ever meeting each other, which I think is fantastic. Bazai, which is, like, Bottles, like, Ancestor, is a really fun, like, companion character who teaches you, the like, the ropes. Uh, but, like, there's a few things in the game that, like I said, don't work. Like, th- there's mini-games that are kind of, like, you kind of forced to do, which aren't great. But, like I said, there's a lot of stuff that is really overlooked. The level design's pretty good. The fact that um, Banjo's transformations are back are really cool as well. Like, And the transformations I found are really cool. Like, there's a, I think there's a tank Banjo, candle Banjo, like... Uh, there's a rat that's really funny. Uh, the music's fantastic in the game. It's just all you would w- want from ban- the like the original Banjo Kazooie formula in handheld form. And unfortunately, it's the last time we ever got that original Banjo formula in a game. But uh, like I said, I, I don't expect I don't expect this to get on the list because it literally is not anywhere except Game Boy Advance or if you have a shitty flip phone from like the early 2000s you could play it on that Wait, but really? I don't yeah it was ported on like Motorola phones and it's awful but yeah it's I don't expect it to make it on the list but it, it is it deserves a shutout a shutout like it this game unfortunately it's not playable but if it was I I, I really would hope that people would play it like it's really good if I just said earlier, I don't condone emulating. Well, maybe maybe I'll reverse that. Like, play this game. I've been trying to get Jules to play it for a while, and he hasn't. And Mateo, what about so, Banjo Pilot? The Banjo-Kazooie no. ra- strictly airplane I, racing game. I, I, I cannot 
I, I'm not a big fan of Angel Pilot, so I will not be nominating it. Any game where you can play but... with John Roger is a game for me. Um, Yo, okay, I think unless Gino, unless you have one, I think we have our list. Um, I, 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 I kind of want to shout out the Metal, uh, the Mega Man Battle Network games, just because I had a lot of fun playing those. Yeah, I and was about to I, say that too. I think they're very fun and kind of overlooked. Uh, mm-hmm. But like, sorry, not overlook because like, I think a bunch of fans actually just got the original like Mega Man Battle Network games and like made some kind of like online competitive multiplayer for it, and it seemed really intriguing. I always tried getting into that game, but like, I was in that that phase of my life where I'm like, okay, I'm gonna download uh, Virtual Boy and, like, do emulating and stuff. And because I was emulating and I didn't want, like, my dad's all like, don't download video games on the internet. Um, I don't want to get a virus on my computer. I, I kind of stopped playing. Well, do you know, I have I, them. I have them on Game Boy Advance. Like, I have the carts. Yeah, so if you want to play them, you can play them. I would just like to quickly... Like batteries. Um, uh... It's fine. Uh, Game Boy Player, you know. You can do it that way. Oh, yeah, that's um, true. Yeah. I will just shout out for, for Yako, uh, the Mega Man Zero games. I know he likes those a lot. And I would just like to say that I know the Castlevania games on Game Boy Advance are very critically acclaimed and beloved to a lot of people, but none of us have played them, so that's why we have not said them. <laughs> so, yeah. Okay. It's probably a good time to, to mention that. Yeah. Yeah. Time to deliberate. Okay. Yeah. So, if Adriano was here, he definitely would have recommended them. Yeah. Well, here we go. Okay, let's. So here's the final list, like the the starting list, the short list, in case you want to write it down or remember. But um, it is um, Mario Luigi Superstar Saga, Metroid Zero Mission, Metroid Fusion, Pokemon Mystery Dungeon Red Rescue Team, Pokemon Emerald, Sonic Advance. Yu-Gi-Oh! The Sacred Cards, Wario Land 4, Mother 3, Fire Emblem, Legend of Zelda The Minish Cap, and Banjo-Kazooie, Grunty's Revenge. Is there anything that we feel we can axe immediately? Um, yes. Yeah, I, I will be the first one to say this. As much as I love Mother 3, the only way you can play it in the West, um, in your language... Uh, is to do uh, is to emulate, and if you're if you're going by okay the the, the original hardware and everything, you're going to want to get a Japanese cart, and that might be expensive, so it might not be as accessible to everyone. And you would have... need a Japanese Game Boy Advance because of the region locked carts. So yeah, fair yeah. enough. That's a valid so, point. So yeah, we can take that off. Um, as much as I love that game and believe that it eventually should come out. There, there is no, there is no official way. That's valid. I will remove uh, Yu-Gi-Oh! The... the secret, the sacred cards. If there's no objection, as I believe that was more of just a mention, less so. Yep. One that I believe is an essential. Uh, and as much as it pains me, I will cut Banjo Kazooie Grunty's Revenge because very similarly to Mother Three, this game has never been re-released, and uh, it's pretty hard to like. It's not expensive, but like. N- these like it can't be played on anything else aside from a Game Boy Advance. So, enough. And okay. select mobile phones. It, no, Uh-oh. I think it's honestly would be harder to play on the phone to get the phone to play on that. So, hey, but then you have a phone, so we can now 
go to no phones, we, right? No, the Nokia phones are not accessible. Yeah, um, they're indestructible. But honestly, it wouldn't no break. I know I haven't played it, but Game Boy Advance is such an all-star lineup. I think even if it were accessible, it probably might not make. No, oh, I hundred percent, hundred percent. I don't think it would be in the top in our like five. I would not. I would recommend that game to banjo fans more than anything. So yeah. like you have to be a banjo because we fan to play that game. I think. Okay. Well, if we are ready, what we can do is we can either start picking out what we think absolutely needs to be there, or we can start taking things off. Oh gosh, I feel like um, a lot of the a lot of these have to be there. Like I can already see like four or five, but like, okay, are we gonna have multiple platformers? Are we gonna have multiple Metroidvania we games may. on here? We may. So we may not. I would honestly, and. I don't think this will be an issue to cut this. I honestly, Gino, I think because we played it, Sonic Advance. I think we could probably cut it, uh, because like it's it doesn't really do anything that's super unique. It's just a Sonic game on a portable console, and there's been that before on Game Gear and stuff like that. It, but it's a really good Sonic game. It is really good, yes, but. That's the thing, like yeah. Compared to the other titles on this on this list, it yeah. I, I don't think, think it's it in the least. same. T- I don't think it's in the same tier really as a lot of these games. So, realistically, but the snow level music. Yes, I know. <laughs> the snow level. Okay. Um, so I think we could cut Sonic Advance. Okay, so we have one, that... two, three, four. We have eight games left, so three gotta go. Um. We can either deliberate what needs to go, or we can start deciding what needs to be on. Yeah, I think I think we should decide what needs to be on right now, and then we'll sure. we'll come naturally. Well, naturally to what? Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, well, I can say I think, and this will be unanimous between the three of us, that the one that we can absolutely all agree on is Pokemon Emerald is on this list. Yes, it is. Hmm. See, this is the thing. No, Mateo? I'm a big fan. Of- I'm a big fan of Gen 3, but I'm I know I'm in the minority of this. I honestly think if you want to play a game on Gen like in Generation 3, play like if you want to play the whole one games, play Omega Ruby and Apple Sapphire. Yeah, I'm of the complete opposite opinion. And I know I'm I acknowledge I'm in the minority. And the reason why I'm saying that is Google how much Pokemon Emerald carts go for and then tell me. If you sure, want to buy, a, okay, you can buy cheap, enough. a cheap 3ds and Pokemon Oras are pretty cheap. That'll probably get you, like that's probably like half the value of Pokemon Emerald right there. And that's the only thing. It's just like, I don't know, Valid, but, but like I, I and I, I also and I think feel... the Delta episode in Omega Ruby Alpha Sapphire adds more to the lore of Sinnoh or sorry of of uh, Hoenn. And I think the Delta episode was really that's good. Really, it's really valuable to as a fan of Gen Three. I like. I think that but is. I'm really sorry, important like, to play. I I mean I'm not saying that it's not important to play those, but one I think it would be absolutely, absolutely sacrilege to not put a Pokemon game on this list. I think Pokemon Emeralds is arguably one of the best Pokemon games. Like, period. And my opinion is, as much as I 
can acknowledge that Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire do some things better. Ultimately, I'm sorry. Those games are fucking ugly. Pokemon Emerald is beautiful. <laughs> Sprite art is, it is. so beautiful. It is. And I fucking hate the art style of Pokemon Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire. It takes so much out of that game. But I was going to say, you're not one of those people that say too much water, out, are you? It also takes out HMs. A lot of the HMs that like made those games a pain. But I do agree with you. It's not like saying... With the Pokemon Mystery Dungeon games, just say, like, it's it's pretty, like, like, it's pretty comparable. Exper- the experiences are pretty comparable to each other with the Red Rescue Team DX compared to Red Rescue Team. Emerald and Omega Ruby Alpha Sapphire are completely different because yeah. Emerald didn't get remade into those games. Ruby and Sapphire got remade into those games. And they include so, the Delta episode, which is itself the, very yeah, different. Yeah, and then Pokemon has changed a lot since Gen three as well. So like you had all that, the, you have the Megas, and you have three entire generations more Pokemon. Exactly. So back in I, back I, in the day, when like, you could like still I, said, catch I know, more. I know, I'm in completely in the mon- like, like it's a super like hot take on my part to say what I just said, but like, I I do yeah. agree. I think I, it should be on the list, but it's worth mentioning. Like, if you want to buy a copy of Emerald. You gotta pay up. It's really expensive. Well, so. loose copy isn't that expensive. And then the other thing to consider is, realistically, we also have to remember we are talking Game Boy Advance, and it's actually like a lot of Game Boy Advance games are just hard to access. Mm-hmm. But so like these the games, thing. the Nintendo never re-released them on Virtual Console. I know. Generation three Pokemon, even, so like that's what... even even the ones that they did release on Virtual Console, the only console that you can get those on is a Wii U, which is already. Yeah. So that's what I mean. It's like I think all Game Boy Advance just has a pretty hard like access. It's a high so, barrier venture. So that's yeah. what I mean. It's like if somebody who doesn't have a Wii U wants to play something else, we're about to recommend. They're probably gonna have to buy a four hundred dollar system to buy the emulated game. Whereas like Emerald, I feel like. Even if you have to pay 50, 60 bucks for a cartridge, like. I wish it was that cheap. Is it not? <laughs> no, yeah. I'm pretty sure it's like 200 well, bucks. I, no, card. I remember Justin saying he got his for like 45, but maybe he just got someone, like maybe he, he got just a found deal. It off of someone. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I, honestly, I think Pokemon Emerald could, like, it, it should be on the list. So I yeah. have no problem with that. Okay. Well, Pokemon Emerald then. Um, is there anything else that we feel. Um, Absolutely, is on the I, list because I think there's I two. Think all, but I also forgot to shout out Advance Wars, and I look forward to seeing. Yeah, I'm surprised what those didn't. games are like. Because I've never, I've never played them, but I'm looking oh. forward to because the two Game Boy Advance games are the ones that are in the the Switch uh, yeah. collect remakes that are coming out. Well, it's called yeah. Advance Wars because they were on the Game Boy Advance. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, we should continue deliberation because we are getting yeah. quite into time. I think, I think Fire Emblem. Deserves to be on the list. I think I, that's the best. I I think that is probably one of the like of what I've played one of the best tactical RPGs. At least the one of the best games in the Fire Emblem series. Period. So like that game is really special, and I think there's nothing like at least what we've nominated. There's nothing like it. While I agree so, with you in some capacity, I'm not ready to put Fire Emblem on the list quite yet, because Fire Emblem, at the end of the day, is an RPG, and there are quite a few RPGs on this list. 
and there's already one in the five, and I f- feel like I'm not ready to say the Fire Emblem's one I want to put on the list. I'm not saying it shouldn't be, but I'm not ready to say it should be, personally. All right. That's my... Honestly, um, though, Jules, I would I would be right there with you if Pokemon Red Rescue Team didn't get a remake. But the and remake know... is worse. I know, well, but I is it, it's a pretty similar experience, though, right? Like, that's the thing. Yes, but the definitive way to play it is still on Game Boy Advance. But and just you said it got yourself, remade. But also, you said it yourself that the series only gets better. Like, there's a few games. Like, the next few games are but they're still way better than it, right? Sure, but th- I think the difference being that a game like Pokemon Mystery Dungeon, that's a very story-driven game, it's hard to quantify the game just based off of gameplay because, sure, it it only gets better with the next game, in my opinion. But I think when you're talking something like RPG or something that's story-heavy, it's hard to quantify saying, well, the next game's better because this is still in itself uh, its own unique experience because yeah, it's but so like, narratively driven. I know, but like if the story beats are pretty much exactly the they're same not. and you can get... Oh, they're not? Not in 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 the next game. No, absolutely not. They're completely. No, I'm talking. I'm talk- no, I'm talking red. I'm talking strictly red and red XD. Oh well, no, it's just mystery dungeon XD. I, and I get that there's a remake, but I don't think there being a remake means that we shouldn't recommend it. Like I don't. I don't think that that's necessarily a big reason to not recommend something. Yeah, but in like in the past, we have taken games like, for instance, like Mario sixty four off the list because like there was a remake of it available that was a lot more readily available and things like we have like we have set a precedent in the past where like if there was a remake available that pretty much did the exact same thing, we weren't going to have it on. Um, I I I'm going to contend that because that's not the reason Mario sixty four wasn't on. And you're right that there. I know I, I know I'm I know I'm using Mario sixty four as, like, as a bad you example are correct. because Odyssey. You are correct the thing. that we have used, um, you, that we absolutely have used remakes as a reason to say, like, we're not going to put this on. But usually it's when there's, like, a superior remake. Like, there's a reason to go play the remake. Like, there's no reason to come back and play the old one. Whereas, yeah. as somebody who's played all the Mystery Dungeon games, the remake is not the same experience. They've added a lot of stuff that really changes the fundamentals of the game. And I really think experiencing it in the sprite art, experiencing it in the way it was made to be is a very unique experience. I'm not saying it should be on the list, but I'm saying I don't think yeah. those are valid reasons yeah. to remove it. Yeah. And for instance, like using this, uh, using the remake um, as a, a as a bit of a springboard into the next one here, as much as I love Super Mario, uh, as much as I love Superstar Saga, uh, what do we think about maybe potentially taking this one off because of Superstar well, Saga plus Bowser's Minions. It's still the exact same game. I know, but I don't think but that they added that, that extra mode. I don't think... That, see, I, I'm of the opinion that I don't think remakes necessarily mean you shouldn't... Like, for something like Superstar Saga... So, for example, the only time we really use that remake... 
um, argument and it actually had weight was actually when we talked about Metroid 1 back in our NES classics. And we were like, well, there's a <laughs> vastly superior, much more playable, heavily improved version of Metroid 1 in Metroid Zero Mission. So there's no reason to play this game as Metroid 1. Whereas I don't think that's the case with Superstar Saga. I don't think you're losing yep. anything if you play the original. I think you're all. gaining if you play the original because... I personally do not like the art style of the 3DS I, Mario I and Luigi games, and the Bowser's Minion stuff doesn't necessarily. It's not a like a a negative thing, but like it isn't good enough to be something that makes you want to play those games. Yeah. So. And like it's the same argument when we talked about like the the Zelda games when we did our N64 ones. The like. Because if we were looking at remakes, then that would mean that the 3D remakes would have automatically made those games not viable for the N64 ones. But I think ultimately it was, well, you're still playing, like, even the 3D versions, while they visually look better, like, it's still, like, they're still, like, the the N64 ones are just as good as the remakes, right? Mm -hmm. Like, there's nothing worse about them. And I think that's the case for Superstar Saga and... Red Rescue Team is, I don't think their remakes are anything more than just a slight visual upgrade. And in fact, some of the changes they made kind of don't preserve the original intention. And I think that's the case with Superstar Saga. And um, I think like Superstar Saga as a game, I just think of Game Boy Advance when I think of. And I mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. Yeah, so, I, I I just wanted to bring up, uh, bring, uh, bring this up just to like give us some other things to think about, right? Like I still think like those are those two games are absolutely fantastic and like super uh, superstar saga is my favorite in the Mario and Luigi series also it's just it's just something that extra to think about right yeah yeah so, absolutely so um this is the thing so by that now we basically talked about half of the games on the list that are like haven't been nominated no. or that have been nominated but we can't decide on any of those no, yet I'm what to do to... with them well here's the thing as I'm willing to drop Pokemon Mystery Dungeon, not because of, there's a remake. Like I, that's just the point is I don't I don't think the remake is really a viable option. But I'm willing to drop it because we already have a Pokemon game in, on mm-hmm. like confirmed on the list. It is an RPG which we already have a couple on, and like from my perspective, it's probably the weakest of the three RPGs that are remaining on our short list. Um, and also because, um, it has been like the next game is better. And it also was on a, two other systems, so it's like fine. Like I, I can drop that, um, but yeah. So I, I think that's okay. I'll, I'll drop Pokemon Mystery Dungeon. So, so hmm. we need to remove two of these. Well, <laughs> here's the thing. Like realistically, are we keeping both Metroid games here? I, I don't think so. No, I I don't think so, so either. Why don't we do that? Why don't we get rid of one? Because then we only have to decide one that's not going on the list. I okay. I I re honestly like. I think Zero Mission's way better than Metroid Fusion. I don't know how. The, I I don't I don't know the the vibe of the, the about in the podcast right now what you guys think, but like I my vote is with Zero Mission. Okay. So yeah, but you. I played torn. Zero Mission. I've only played Zero Mission once, and I've also played Fusion once. I played Fusion more recently, but I had a way better experience playing Zero Mission, playing yeah. like honestly, and like Two that game blew me away. Mateo. 
two, two space pirates. pirates. Yep. Two space, two space pirates, pirates two... is Metroid Zero Mission, Gino. Yeah. I know, but two space well, pirates. Here's my arguments. So I I've played Zero Mission much more recently. And I have Fusion, so my memory on Fusion's a little muggy, but I remember my first playthrough of Fusion being a very... Like, I really enjoyed it. My first playthrough of Zero Mission, I also really enjoyed it, but my big argument against Zero Mission is that I've always felt like the original Metroid and Zero Mission were just lesser versions of Super Metroid because you do go through pretty much the exact same areas, the same landscapes similar bosses but there's less of it i do feel like zero mission inherently while it updates a lot of stuff from the original game it is still inherently held back by some of the poor design choices of the original metroid game and that's like having recently watched riley play through it i felt like it was very evident that like some like like just like areas and like um like trying to get through some some things were just like very like old school gamey and like the sense that they were like designed to just be like the game like was inherently designed to prolong itself by making things overly complicated or like overly hidden like not because it was like like some of the things that like riley when he was looking for like air how to access like areas it wasn't even like obvious and it wasn't even like he missed something it was just because he didn't bomb like some random block on the on the map that had no indication he had to bomb it. And it was just that old school, like NES vibe of like, just try everything on every block of every single level until you find something just to artificially prolong the game. And I, I think that's my gripe with zero mission is I do feel like it's, it does hold a few of the relics of Metroid one. And because it's in the exact same location and it has the exact same vibe as super Metroid. I feel like fusions are much more unique experience and i feel like if we've already recommended super metroid to our viewer or our listeners for the snes one i would feel way more comfortable telling them to try out fusion which feels like it has its own identity than zero mission which just feels like like super metroid light if that makes see that's the thing because like Metroid 1 did come out before, like, Metroid 1 is the first game, right? So technically, Super Metroid is going to the locations of the original Metroid. But I do what you meant from, like, from like a gameplay standpoint and a, let's say, like, an artistic, like, the sprite art and stuff. It's very, very similar to Super Metroid. But I didn't get that, honestly. When I played through the game, I had such a blast playing that game. I don't know, maybe I picked up on something that Riley didn't, and I don't remember getting stuck in that game at all, to be honest with you. The only time I got stuck was not because I didn't find something, it's just because I kept dying at a certain part. But Two Spice Pirates? <laughs> I didn't, not, not there. But uh, it's just like, I've. it's honestly, th- these games are so similar in a lot of ways. It's literally just like, they're both so good. It's like flipping a coin. Which one should be on here? They're both deserving. I don't think that they we should have a list with two Metroid games on there just because the experiences are so similar. Mm, but for me, I, I I can't stress enough. Like I had such a blast playing Zero Mission, and like if I had to vote for one, that would be the the my choice. Honestly, like yeah, and like okay, so I think it's valid. Like I'm not trying to 
convince you otherwise and you like make some really good points. I just I can't get away from the fact that ultimately Super Metroid was kind of, while it was its own game and it had its own story, it is very much an enhanced version of the original Metroid and while I like I'm not saying Zero Mission doesn't have its own identity, I just think like it's like no when we were talking about like Zelda and like comparing like the Zelda games on like what's a unique experience and things like that. And I'm not talking about the N64 bloodbath, but I'm talking about like even when we're talking about like <laughs> Zelda one and we're saying things like, well, Link to the Past is like like a similar vibe, but like a better experience. Like the reason I'm having reservations about Zero Mission is when I'm looking about the series variety, I feel like Zero Mission and Fusion are so close that you really could give it to either of them because they're both really great. But I do feel like Fusion is very much its own identity. And especially in oh, the yeah. context of like now, like we've already recommended Super Metroid. So I feel like if you, if our viewers went back and played Super Metroid and now they play Zero Mission, while they'll appreciate it, it, it will feel like a lesser version of Super Metroid. And especially now with Metroid Dread on the horizon, I'm even more inclined to recommend Metroid Fusion. Um because it's just, you know, it's a unique, it is, in my opinion, like, because you're right, like, like, it's completely different, like, like, the, the traditional suit in there, all that stuff, but in my opinion, it's like, in a way, it's almost like the most unique Metroid experience out there right now, because it actually is so different, yet it still is very much what Metroid is. So I, I don't yeah, know, at the I, same time, I have, but I have to say, time, are we gonna, like, once again, this is another important thing with our lit, like with our recommendations here, is that would you recommend someone play the fourth game in a series or the first game in a series? Right. I think with Metroid, it doesn't to, matter. If you want to be invested for the long haul. I think it'd be better suited for people to play Zero Mission. But I do agree with what you're saying. With it's for me, it's not. It's completely different than like Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask. It's completely different, but yeah, it's completely. Different. Um, uh, I I don't know. I, 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 I let let me be the tiebreaker in yeah. this one here because I would love both of them to be on here. I just I feel like the tone, the tone of Metroid Fusion. I personally feel is is different enough to warrant that this be the one that we put on the list. Just. Just because, like, and, like, even Jules says it very well as well with, like, okay, we're getting Dread in a few months. It would not, it would be nice to know where Samus has been the past 20 years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Almost, right? And, like, and this is not documenting, like, just the pure value out of the video game that you're getting out of Metroid Fusion. Sorry, is um sorry not fusion that you're getting out of zero mission like the you definitely get more value for for the dollar spent on zero mission because you're getting you're getting the the zero mission part of it which is the zero suit samus and that's her like that version of samus's debut right mm-hmm. you are getting that plus you're getting the entire redone first game so it's like you're getting the original first game which i didn't know about so <laughs> Yeah, so like there's definitely an argument to be made. I think if we didn't get Metroid Dread announced recently, I would say Zero Mission, but because Dread is coming up and I feel like we should know where Samus is as a character at this point, I'm going to say Fusion. But the thing is though, 
both are fantastic games. And like again, you said it right when you said it's it's you could you could flip a coin. Yeah. Yeah. For so sure. I will be the well, tiebreaker and say fusion. Fair enough. Okay. I believe in democracy. So I yeah. love democracy. And if we were doing simple uh simple I love the if we and if we did believe in true democracy, uh yeah, I will say other lists would be different. Tee hee hee. I mean but um, well, no, I'm not yeah. going to... Okay, let's, let's say, move on. Let's move I'll on. Say, we're not, we're not yeah, going down that I'll rabbit hole again. off the record what I'll, what I'll say to you after after the podcast. So, yeah. but um, so, anyways, Fusion is a lock now, right? Like, yeah. it was going to be yeah. either one of those games. Yes. Yeah. So we have Fusion and Met- and, and Pokemon yeah. Emerald so now we basically are just, two locks. So now we just basically need to decide which one we which one does it are make not it? adding. Okay. Yeah, I would actually like to make a nomination for which one we should actually add. Uh, I am going to um, I am going to say Wario Land Four because uh, when Matteo was was talking this game up here, he did correctly state that we haven't had a, an experience like this in a long time since Wario Land Shake It. I would even argue since Wario Land Master uh, Wario Master of Disguise, where you have Wario in his different transformations doing a traditional two D platforming game instead of something that's kind of like micro games designed for kids that can't pay attention for more than 30 seconds oh shots fired shots fired (laughs) (laughs) well that's the thing that's the whole reason why i could never get into wario wear is because like i'm just like i my attention span is too long for this game (laughs) and that shouldn't be a problem (laughs) i'm sorry that's no disrespect to the people that like the wario land i'm sorry the wario wear franchise just i feel like wario land is something that's unique to the to the original game boys and it kind of stopped when we went from game boy to ds yeah and like nintendo i feel like it's it's, it's unique it's so unique it's it's just you and have like the, the tra- you is, have Wario's transformations. You have you have all the I, unique you know enemies what, Gino, and everything. It's just I don't even think you need to argue this one. Yeah. Do we all agree with this? Because I agree. I think yeah, I completely agree. So let's just I do it. Oh, okay. I thought I thought, no, I thought I was you being don't need to make an argument. Like, oh. No, you don't need to make an argument because you know, I'm nobody the dang game. I want it to be and on the list. And it's the only platformer we have there. And I think you're right. It's the like, best. What you it's said. The best platformer on the system. There's honestly. not many that isn't a port or a remake. There aren't or ma- a re- that's the thing. There aren't many that right? aren't ports or remakes. But that being said, I think Gino ultimately hit it on the nail on the head, which is Wario Land is so, like, iconically Game Boy. And we didn't do a Game Boy Color list, and we're doing a Game Boy Advance list. It would be a shame if there wasn't a Wario Land game on here. It's just like And Pokemon. this is the best Wario it Land is. game. It's so good. Because the main gripes that I had with the original, like, the three games prior to it... Are all fixed in this game. Are all fixed, because you take damage now and like if you die you have to start from the beginning like the other games didn't like it way easier like this yeah. game has a challenge to it so okay well Warland 4 that's good we all agree there um yeah so now we gotta deliberate between the final three i like minish cap a lot like i actually really do like minish cap for all the reasons you said but i've always had the opinion of minish cap that Minish Cap is like the most average Zelda game there is. Like it's great, but it's not. I wouldn't go that far. 
I wouldn't call I wouldn't call it average because it did a lot of I, it made but, the four swords gameplay. Average, okay, but it's average in the sense that Zelda is an, a phenomenal series. So the average Zelda game, the one that's just in the middle of the pack, is a great game. But there's nothing inherently special or amazing about it. Like I don't even think it's in the top three 2Ds for me personally, yeah. and that's why I'm like looking at that. I'm like I don't know. And then the thing with Fire Emblem is that. Um, while the game itself is quite hard and maybe it's not super accessible to newcomers, that's what old Fire Emblem was, which has been completely destroyed by new Fire Emblem. And and that Fire Emblem game, while it's hard, it's not ridiculous. Like it's not like yeah, it's not it's like, not Radiant like Dawn. the Radiance or Path of Radiance is actually Shadow Dragon. Path of right? Radiance is actually not that bad, but Radiant Dawn. Is pretty what, bad. what was the one? The one on Wii that has like the messed up difficulties, Radiant Dawn. What was that? That's Radiant. Dawn. That's yeah. Radiant Dawn. Yeah, that but, one's that one's. But tough. That's the thing is Fire Emblem Awakening very much like starting with Fire Emblem Awakening and going into Fates and Three Houses very much created modern Fire Emblem, which while it retains like the style and the gameplay, it doesn't retain the like soul of what old Fire Emblem was. And there's very few old Fire Emblem games that are available in the West. And the only ones really are Fire Emblem, Fire Emblem the Sacred Swords, which is also on Game Boy Advance, and then Path of Radiance and Radiant Dawn, which are ridiculously hard to find. And like Radiant Path of Radiance, don't even try; you're not finding it. It's impossible, like almost impossible to find. And then took me a long time to get that game. Yeah, and then <laughs> Radiant Dawn while it's a little bit more accessible, is also way too fucking hard. Like, I would not recommend Radiant Dawn to most people, even though it was my first Fire Emblem game, because it's so hard. And then after Radiant Dawn, we get New Age Fire Emblem. So, like, the reason I would recommend Fire Emblem over Minish Cap is that, as much as I like Minish Cap, you can get Minish Cap's gameplay. Like, like I, I don't think there's anything special that stands out about Minish Cap from other Zeldas other than like, like, kind of like the tone, being able to shrink, like Vati and like, but even at that, like the art style, the gameplay itself is not, yeah. But Jules, the gameplay of Minish Cap, like it, the thing that I really love about the Zelda series is that every game has its own like gameplay twist or something. Like in Four Swords, sorry, like Four Swords, it's the multiplayer game. Link Between Worlds is the going on the wall and seeing puzzles differently. Shrinking yeah. and Minish Cap doesn't really do anything aside from like yeah, it's, it's a more visual... of an aesthetic thing. And that's the thing is Minish yeah. Cap is great aesthetically, but I just don't think it has that much to offer. No, I would say that Minish, Minish Cap with what it what it did was it took it took that multiplayer four swords and was able to cram it into a single player experience and make it work way better than it ever did in its original state. But it didn't really do. They really anything. they really they po- they polished that system. It was it was a solid game from beginning to end. It was polished. I, I agree. No, I agree. But I don't. I don't. Yeah. actually feel like they did much with the four sword system itself like i do think that like there's aspects definitely of the story but in terms of the gameplay it's very much just a 2d zelda game i i wouldn't really say that they took the four swords like i would say four swords adventure took the four swords concept and made it into a single player experience but i wouldn't say that minish cap did that i would say minish cap more took the lore from four swords and made it into a single yeah. player experience which yeah, I appreciate. when i think of minish cap when I think of Minish Cap, I don't even 
think about four swords yeah. like i i those two things are completely separate in my mind yeah they are separate but, in my mind too and i do love minish cap and that's the thing is like i do like it it's cute it's fun i just don't think that like i own the only reason i feel like we're even considering it is because it has the name zelda in its name and we yeah. we are always feeling oh well zelda has to be there and i just genuinely don't think that game boy advance had yeah. a strong lineup of zelda whereas like fire emblem i really do think like if I'm going to recommend Fire Emblem games to people, like this is one of those ones that I'm like, this is one of the strongest in the series. So I would absolutely yeah. recommend this one. Yeah. And that... but don't get me wrong. Like I love, I love the characters themselves. Like freaking Hector is honestly like one, like I was surprised and I was like vouching back before we even started the podcast when Smash came out. I was like, we need an axe wielder and it's got to be Hector for, for Smash and everything too. Right. Cause like, don't get me wrong. Like I love those, like I like, I love the characters. I love this world of Fire Emblem. It's just that I feel like if you want to experience Fire Emblem, it's better on the 3DS. It is, but it's different. And that's the thing is like you can yeah. you can say it's better, but ultimately the reason it's better is because it's more accessible and they change things. But I do think yeah. like you don't have to hard reset your console every time you don't want a character to die. Yeah. But to be fair, like if you are going to play it on like a virtual console experience you're going to get save states, which is kind of how I played the game. So you can kind of like yeah. you know, fiddle with that, but and you then, can kind of cheese it a little yeah, bit, cheese there. it a little bit. But I do think like how many times Mateo would swear and like turn his, uh, turn his, uh, turn the game off and restart the, the file and everything just because he didn't want a specific character to die or when he leveled up, the stats weren't good enough. Yeah. But that's mm-hmm. old age fire emblem, right? Like that's, that's what I feel like. I feel like it's a unique experience in and of itself. And I feel like it's worth playing. Like, I, I yeah. do feel like it's, it's way more worth playing than Minish Cap because for me, it's just like, well, Minish Cap is great. That's all I can really say about Minish Cap. And every single Minish time Cap I've done my Zelda playthrough of all the games, Minish Cap has always been very, very securely in the middle. Yeah. See, it's, it, 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 but the thing, yeah, I agree with you. It's not the best this, Zelda you know, game ever. It's not I'll the worst Zelda game ever. No, no, no. I'm not, no, I'm not arguing. No, I know. No, no, I'm conceding that. No, I'm conceding don't this. Don't concede one. quite yet till you hear my offer. You give me the Ezlo hat, we put Minish on this list. Uh-uh, no. <laughs> you didn't genuinely want Minish Cap on the list, Jules. You are not a Minish fan. Ezlo does not belong with you. Not now, not ever. If it's not good, it wasn't good enough for you before the offer, it's not good enough for you after the offer. Fair enough, very well. So I guess that's our list. So nope. then our five Game Boy Advance essential games are Pokemon Emerald, Metroid Fusion, Wario Land 4, Mario and Luigi Superstar Saga and Fire Emblem, also known as Fire Emblem the Blazing Blade. Yeah. Yep. Honestly, we I'm really, really happy with this. Emblem the Binding Blade released uh, eventually in the West, whether it's in Echoes or something. Because we didn't mention that, uh, like, technically, like these, these two games are connected, right? Like, yeah. Uh, Binding Blade's the sequel to Blazing Blade, actually, which Blazing, is fascinating. Actually, Blazing Blade is the sequel to Binding Blade. Yeah. Yes, I always get it confused, and I know what you're talking about. Like, it just yeah. If if the name of the game that came out here wasn't just called Fire Emblem, it'd be so much more yeah. like it. I wouldn't. We wouldn't mess up the names. Yeah, but anyway, but, the, the one you're talking about, the Elliewood one, is actually the one we have played. Is the sequel because it's technically a yes. prequel of. It's a boys yeah. game. Yeah. 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 But I would still play like yeah, I would honestly I would play the prequel first. I would play like I wouldn't do the 
Like I, I would I'd play that see, one first I would and then to, do Roy's game. I would have to see Roy's game first. Because like I don't yeah. know how what the context, like the context of those games might be contextually um they um like it makes more sense to play the the prequel after. But I just realized we did have a very, very, very major absence from our mentions earlier. And I I'm okay mentioning this now because I don't think it would have made it on our list. And I stress our list because we, I think I'm the only one who played it and I didn't play enough of it to push it to the end, but it could have been on this list had this been a different group of people. But another one to recommend and let people know about um, that was a great Nintendo game on Game Boy Advance was Golden Sun, um, which was a fantastic RPG um, game. Um, It's since kind of died off. Um, but um, that's another one to just keep in mind. Kirby, Kirby and the Amazing Mirror, Kirby Nightmare and Dreamland, yeah. like Drill those Dozer. Kirby, those Kirby games though were like really generic. Though. Hey, Nightmare and Dreamland is fantastic. The Nightmare only Dreamland, it's not here is because Kirby Adventure was in our NES. Yeah, but um, anyway, that was I think ultimately while it was. I don't think it was as tough as I thought. Like there were a lot of games where I think we were all kind of on the same level. I think the biggest, all, honestly, the biggest arguments were whether to put a Zelda game on or not, um, and yeah, Metroid and which Metroid. But I don't think they were that bad. So mm-hmm. I hope we hope you enjoyed this. Um, the reason we chose to do GBA before we got to GameCube is we wanted to give you a little bit of a buffer because we feel like GameCube is going to be another one of those crazy bloodbath potential two-parter um yeah especially with the third-party stuff right yeah it's gonna be a it's gonna be crazy so we will let you know when we get to gamecube and especially as we move forward into like we maybe even doing like xbox and things like that where we might be adjusting our rules a little when it comes to talking about third parties or non-exclusive games we haven't really decided what we how we want to handle that because this is where that that is really going to factor in um, but we will yeah. let you know that when we get there. But please look forward to um, either GameCube or DS as our next Essentials podcast. It will be coming sometime soon. Please look forward to a ton of other podcasts that should be showing up. We have a ton of Pokemon ones we want to address. We have some Metroid ones and Mass Effect ones in the works. Maybe even a Ratchet and Clank one once Mateo finishes uh, Rift Apart. A lot of this stuff is revolving around Mateo finishing jewels. How about you play Horizon and we can talk about Horizon Zero Dawn? One day. One day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't put the onus just on Mateo. You got to play Horizon. You got to do it. One day. You got to be, be a proper Sony fan here. Thank Jules. you for listening. Um, once again, um, celebrate on the day of recording today was the release of Kazuya and Smash. Yet another reason why Gino's not in Smash. So remember Gino's. Yep. And also, it, it, we have only a few minutes left in the day. But today is Banjo's 23rd birthday. So happy birthday. We should have started the podcast with that. Yeah, happy we birthday. Didn't, we didn't put you on our uh, happy birthday. Um, okay. Anyway, um, thanks for listening. Don't forget to like and subscribe. Comment. Don't if you're a Geno supporter. We're, we're, by the end of this year, we won't need to have that as our end note because you will have lost. And um, don't forget to follow us and listen to us on Spotify. We'll see you back again soon. So uh, have a good night, everybody. See ya. Bye.